For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It was a tough week for the Cowboys. TCU handed the Pokes their first loss in double overtime. It's okay. Bounce back week. Welcome to the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined tonight by Justin Southwell. Our third guy, Eve, is not here because his wife is in labor and he is having a baby. So, Eve, congratulations, Dad. Sad you're not here, but also very happy you're there. Priorities. <laughs> yeah, congrats, buddy. That's uh, We're... Super excited for you. Um, you know, take your time. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's a positive after a, a not great weekend. This is a bright spot heading into what we hope is a redemption week for the Cowboys. As I said, OK State, their first loss this season in double overtime, 43 to 40. Dropped three spots in the polls to number 11, and they blew a 17-point lead. So I'll just keep it simple. What went wrong? <laughs> Well, if you want to keep it simple, I guess the simplest way to put it is they just didn't finish. Um, really two things that I saw. So number one, we've heard it all off season, probably the season before even. The success of this team is predicated on how well Spencer Sanders plays. And if he's not 100%, then you know what are our expectations for the team at that point? And nobody's questioning his toughness, his desire to win. We know that about Spencer. He's a competitor. But when you're on the road against a now top 10 undefeated team and your star quarterback isn't 100%, you know, that's something that went wrong. And then the second thing is, you know, nobody wants to lose, right? I say that for OSU, but I say that for TCU too. Okay. They're undefeated they're not going to lay down just because they're down 17 points. OSU didn't do it in the Fiesta Bowl last year against Notre Dame when they were down 20, 21 points. So you have to know your opponent. You know, Max Duggan, think he's going to quit? No, the guy is the epitome of resilience. And, you know, their coach on the sideline, Sonny Dykes, he's yelling, screaming his head off about one of the most insignificant things in that game. Like he's going to lose his mind before he loses that game. And so you have to know that about your opponent. They're not just going to lay down. They're not going to give up. And so you can't just you know pull back the reins and hope for the best. Last week, Eve talked about making adjustments in all four quarters. And I read a tweet the other yesterday, I think it was last night. OSU averaged 7.9 yards per play on the first two drives of each half versus TCU. The rest of the game, they averaged 2.7 yards per play. So TCU clearly made the adjustments. I mean, we were sort of texting throughout the game and you and Eve were calling out like they had that open all game. Why were they not attacking that? Like, what should they have done sooner to extend their lead and maintain their lead? You know, uh, I know that Coach Dunn probably got and I think he got a lot of criticism for his conservative play calling there at the end of the game. And 
um, part of me says it's fair, but part of me says, uh, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with conservative play calling if it works. Right. So you got to know the situation when it's going to work. And there have been several times this season that I've seen it. The Baylor game, for example, we threw wide receiver screen after wide receiver screen. It was not working. And I don't know how many times a play has to not work for you to go away from it and to do something else. Same thing against tech. It seemed like they just kept trying to force the ball to Bray and it just wasn't working. He came, he came out with two receptions total. And so the same thing, you know, um, for the TCU game running backs, I think they had somewhere around nine attempts in the third and fourth quarter where they got three yards or less. And so these plays are not inherently bad play calls, but if they're not working in a certain situation, you know, how many times before it doesn't work, are you going to switch it up, quit doing the predictable zone reads on first down when they had success early on in the game, they're dropping back on first down Spencer's, you know, they're doing, you know, receiver reverse flea flicker type plays. I'm not saying you have to do that all the time, but, Whenever you're not predictable like that, they're not prepared for it. They're they're on their heels. I mean, those are the kind of things that you want to see uh, where it's not as conservative and they're going out. It looks like they're actually playing to win the game. I think that's the biggest thing, playing to win versus playing not to lose. Um, and you, you said it yourself, we couldn't get the run game going. Gundy himself after this game called it one-dimensional. He admitted we couldn't get the run game going. TCU was averaging about... 5.2 yards per carry. And I think we were averaging right in either high twos or low three. So right around three yards per carry, which then if you don't get the run game going, TCU knows you're not going to run the ball. So then they're better protecting the pass game. And what right. really I thought was interesting, we've talked about Oklahoma State being wide receiver, you being a really good receiving room. The lead receiver this week was running back Dom Richardson. <laughs> so like not having the receivers involved and being able to shut down Brandon Presley, Braylon Green, um, Johnson, you know, JP, all those people to be able to shut those down and have a running back be the key receiver. I think that that is a, a big reason also why we scored zero touchdowns in the second half. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that stat too. I think um, Dominic Richardson had two chunk plays on wider or on halfback screens and so he caught the ball in the backfield he had great blocking downfield he was able to make some guys miss and and get a lot of yards that way but and those plays were successful because you know he's he's a good he's good with the vision of you know seeing what's downfield and being able to make those guys miss now to put it simply if spencer sanders if his shoulder is injured it's a lot easier to throw it to the halfback in the backfield it's like a 10 15 yard pass um versus you know throwing it deep downfield and i know that he did that a few times and had success still through the game but yeah whenever you're able to throw a shorter pass in the backfield and richardson's able to take off then you know what i was wondering was you know why did you kind of shy away from that later on in the game and i think maybe part of it was he was also getting a lot of carries too and you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people were calling for let's let's mix it up a little bit with the running back here. Let's let's see Gordon. Let's see Nixon get in there 
for different looks, you've got different types of running backs in different situations. So why is, why are we just relying completely on Dominic Richardson? And, you know, I don't have an answer for that, but obviously he's got some playmaking abilities. You saw it in the, in the passing game even. So uh, why, why they couldn't continue to get the ball to Presley and John Paul Richardson, who also made some big plays in that game. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think maybe some of it had to do with uh, Spencer Sanders shoulder. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to correct myself. I said, Braylon green, it's Braylon Presley, Brendan Presley's little brother and Bryson <laughs> green is the receiver. Lots of B names in that receiving room. So I feel, feel for yeah, the coach. <laughs> it's so many a B few, names to a keep few times straight. I, I get I, a little confused, even on guys that, you know, it's like, ah, Ollie, Gordon, right? Uh, Colin Oliver, kind of like mixing things up. And they're on different sides yes. of the ball. So it takes a little bit of time for some of these new names to, yeah. to stick. That's My why Gundy uses numbers. You know, that's, he doesn't have to worry about it. But uh, then sometimes you have there. two sevens, you know, one on offense, one on defense. It's like, well, which seven are yeah. you talking about? So I, I can now empathize with my mom who would call my brothers each other's names and then they would, she would throw the dog name in there too. So apologize, Bryson mm-hmm. Green, Braylon Presley, lots of B names. By by week 12, I'll hopefully have that all, we'll get it down. all sorted out. And I know that Eve is sort of our resident defensive expert, but he is preoccupied tonight. <laughs> So I'm going to, you know, not to put you on the spot here, Justin, but our defense gave up 510 yards, 286 mm-hmm. of that through the air. We've talked about this secondary, you know, Eve spoke highly of Jabbar Muhammad. He had some big moments in that game, but how do we fix the secondary heading into Texas? Yeah. You know, um, that's a great question. I, you know, I wish I. Uh, could be a coach and get paid millions of dollars to figure that out for us. Now, uh, in all seriousness, I think that really you just got to stick with the process. Um, Those guys are out there for a reason. They start for a reason. So Muhammad, um, Jason Taylor, guys like that. um, Black is back there. You guys, you know, um, I think part of it is that they were faced with an NFL caliber receiver uh, for TCU and, it's just a different level of playing at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to, you're going to look like that against Texas and some of these other teams in the big 12. Um, so it's a good test for you. And then just continuing to get those reps at practice, um, keep that positive mindset, know that, yeah, uh, they got me this one time, but you know, this next time I'm going to get them. So, um, yeah, just stick with it. Honestly, it's it's a uh, it's a matter of repetition. It's a matter of uh, having confidence and and the plays that you do well, keeping those um, in your head, playing with confidence, playing with that swagger. You got to have that for for defense, or you're just going to get eaten up. We've seen it uh, all the time. Uh, probably starting around, gosh, 2010 uh, through 2016, 2017, 2018. Even I mean, the offenses in the Big Twelve. They just completely, you know, ran all over those defenses. And uh, there were pretty good defenders out there. But um, the one that comes to mind, for example, is uh, like I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but the corner for Nebraska back in 2012. And, uh, you know, whenever he, he's an NFL quarter, is that corner, Prince Amukamara. There it is. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> there you go. Whenever he was so against. Justin Blackman, 
you know, those are the matchups you want to see. Um, there were some times that he got the best of Blackman and there were some times when Blackman got the best of him. So, um, you know, just being, uh, you know, consistent as much as you can be and, um, just, you know, just go from there and just play your best. The bright spot for me this week in this heartbreaking double overtime loss was once again, special teams, Tanner Brown, four for four on <laughs> field goals, career long of 52 named big 12 special teams player of the week, back-to-back weeks. And this is the fourth straight week. An OSU player has received that honor. So once again, let's give it up for the special teams, holding it down for the pokes. Uh, Brown also ranks first in FBS and kicker scoring with 11 points per game. And Tom Hutton had three punts of 50 yards or more. And we lead the big 12 in kickoff returns and kickoff return defense. So I feel like, you know, a couple weeks ago, you guys said you want to get back to that special teams best in the country. I think we're getting closer each game. <laughs> I definitely think that um, we may be shifting away from wide receiver. You we're going to be special teams. You so, uh, okay. Nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to all three phases matter. <laughs> might as well be good. Yeah. Be good in that phase too. Uh, you know, the, the thing is we are really good in all three phases. I think where we are struggling, we're starting to see now is having that through all four quarters and then overtime if, if need be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's um, just can't let up. Can't go into prevent too early. And I think in a game, you know, if you if you watched Alabama, Tennessee, I know that that's SEC, but Mm -hmm. Alabama's kicker missed a 50 yard field goal, which would have potentially won them the game. So having a kicker like Tana Brown, who was Mr. Reliable and you honestly like you don't have those in college football. The college football kicking game is a lot different than the NFL. So having somebody that consistent, I really feel is like an ace in your back pocket because not every team has that. And you get into, into those weird field positions where it's like, well, we can attempt a 52 yard field goal or we can punt it and hopefully we can pin them down at the one, or maybe we're going to give them a touchback. And it's just basically, you know, you get in those weird, like, do we go for it? Do we not go for it situation? So to have a special teams player like Tom, who, you know, could probably pin him within the five and Tanner, who's right. probably, you know, Mr. Reliable, I think 12 for 12 on field goals this season. It's like, okay, this could make a difference in those games. And then, you know, Spencer's shoulder was a little bit better than maybe we could have scored a, a touchdown, but we couldn't complete those passes in overtime to get a first down, which I think also hurt us because we couldn't get the run game going. So, you know, if you, a lot of factors, but right. having yeah. a good kicker, I think does matter in those tight games. Yeah. And to touch on Sanders and overtime, um, you got to give a lot of credit, I think, first and foremost, to TCU's defense in that situation because they really did step up. Um, There were a few times where his throws were a little bit short to John Paul Richardson, but there were another few times. I I know that one of the passes got deflected at the line. There was another pass that hit the receiver in the hands and then the DB jarred it loose. Um, So those are like just – you just got to give props. Those are plays that TCU beat you on. Um, but then at the same time, you know, Spencer got that pass that converted a fourth down to get all the way down to the one yard line. And, you know, that was the, that was for the game essentially. And so, um, you, you make that play and it's kind of like, you know, there's, there is that back and forth and we've said it kind of all week on paper. These two teams are so evenly matched when we saw it play out. Um, 
I had a little bit more confidence thinking that Oklahoma State was much better. And we did see that they were much better early on in that game. Uh, unfortunately, it just ended in a heartbreaking loss in double overtime. I think it comes back to the adjustments and making adjustments at the right time, knowing when to play conservative. I mean, you saw it in the Utah the Utah USC game, Whittingham decides to go for the two point conversion for the win, which is a very gutsy move. You could play for overtime and that's not, that's playing the opposite of conservative. That's playing to win. And Mm -hmm. it paid off for them in the long run. So I think you kind of have to weigh those options. Like what do we have to lose at this point? And I, I, you know, last year there were several games where I felt like Oklahoma state won in spite of Spencer Sanders play. And this year, I do not think that is the case at all. I commend him for playing in this game. I think you could tell he Mm -hmm. was in a little bit of pain late in the game. And then it's really hard when you're one dimensional and you don't have your your running game is not that effective um, to rely on a pass when your shoulder is not 100%. I mean, Spencer, he had three total touchdowns. He still played a very good game. So in no way, shape or form do I think that this was his fault. I just think in all phases of the game, with the exception of special teams, we could have made some adjustments. But the one area mm-hmm. where I think we definitely won was in the uniforms. <laughs> no joke. Uh, those are some of the worst uniforms. Why are why are these teams? The red accents. Ugh. Baylor and TCU. What's your deal? Why are you wearing out your worst uniforms against Obviously, the conference's best uniforms. I don't get that. Props to Texas Tech. You know, they came out in some nice uniforms against us. But TCU, what are you doing? Nike, what are you doing? You're better than that. My gosh. Uh, Now, I will say, like, back in 2013, I sent you that pic in text. Like, (laughs) that's what you need to do if you're going to do the whole blood shooting out of your eyes thing. You got that matte black and purple helmet with just a a hint of red. Like the eyes. None of this stuff where it's just like, yeah, yeah, coming on your numbers and there's an outline on the logo just looks so bad. Like there aren't any teams other than maybe the Toronto Raptors that can pull off red and purple and black together. So it's just stick with your red or stick, stick away, stay away from the red. Like red's just not, it's not good. And I've never been, I've been to TCU. I've never been in the TCU bookstore or anything like that. So I don't know if they sell these like red alternate things or if like red is like their accent color but I will say I saw someone Photoshop um, the teal, like the teal that we wear for basketball sometimes into a football uniform. Yeah, so if I've you want to talk too. accent colors, OSU, Nike, consider that because that combo on the football field, whew, mm, not bad. Perfection. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got, you got the different themes. So I do like that. I think um, the Native American, uh, where are we going? It's turquoise, I think. There's the turquoise teal debate. Yes. I think it, yeah. Yes. And then with uh, Miami teams, uh, we saw it, I think was Florida International. They kind of mixed it up and they went with their uh, Miami Vice color scheme on the field. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting. Kind of looking, they're taking them from the Miami Heat and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's creeping in to football now. You know, we've seen it in, in basketball. It's uh, probably just a matter of time before we see the turquoise for Oklahoma State. Nike, if you were watching or listening to this, consider it, throwing it out there. I think it would be amazing, especially with our new turf, the super bright orange. Ugh, it looks so good, but oh yeah, you know, we can, so someone, someone make that happen, but enough about last week. We're going to move forward looking ahead. <sighs> uh, around, week. 
a new week, <laughs> a new week. It is homecoming week. Before we get to the excitement of homecoming, chat a little bit about the Big 12. Unfortunately, we are now sitting in fourth in the Big 12. TCU, K-State, and Texas are all ahead of us. Uh, OU gave Kansas their second straight loss and avoided their four, a four-game skid. They put up 701 yards of total offense. Is this the start of OU's bounce back? You know, it could be. Uh, part of me wants to say, well, it's just Kansas. But Kansas isn't like, they okay. Had their, they had their backup quarterback out there. But I will say, uh, maybe I can give OU a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Their initial conference games were against some of these top tier teams that you see in the Big 12. And now they're kind of balancing that out a little bit with some of the bottom tier teams. And uh, it could be something that you know gets them some momentum going into the the rest of the conference play. I think they've got a bye week, and then Iowa State. Iowa State's just kind of a wild card. You never know. Um, so maybe after that week, we'll have a little bit of a better understanding as far as where OU might end up at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, it could be. It could be that could be the the win versus Kansas. You know that gets the troops rallied up. To be honest, Oklahoma could lose every game all season, and I would still go into Bethlehem nervous. Like, sure, it, yeah, it's a conference it's a rivalry. Game. It's a rivalry, like yeah. because you know, if that were the obviously that's not the case this season, and it probably won't be the case ever. But if that's your team, like it doesn't matter if you win that game. It's like, well, we still beat OSU. Like, same for us. If we were, if we lost every game but we beat OU that season would not be a complete waste because you beat OU. <laughs> like, so it's, yeah, it's a truth that uh, has been part of, I think Oklahoma state's fandom for a long time. It was very much like, you know, don't really have a hope in the world, but we can play spoiler to OU, keep them out the national title game. As long as we beat OU, this season is a success. And honestly, you know, for the rivalry aspect, that's what college football is kind of all about. Um, if your team's just not going to be part of it, then, you know, why not spoil your rival to exactly. make sure that they're not part of it? Ruin it for everybody else. <laughs> Texas held on against Iowa State. You said Iowa State's kind of the wild card. It wasn't yeah. Quinn Ewers' best game, but he still had 172 yards and three touchdowns. Bijan Robinson was held out of the end zone for the first time all season, but he still racked up 135 rushing yards. And this week kicks off four straight games against ranked opponents for Texas. So before we get really into the nitty gritty, like how are you feeling after seeing them play Iowa state and keeping it close? You know, Texas, it seems to me based on this year, not just the Iowa state game, that they're a team that really, will kind of play to the level of their competition minus I guess the OU game where they completely blew them out 49 yeah. nothing but if obviously they've got the talent to play with teams like Alabama and barely lose that game and then they've got you know the game against Iowa State now Iowa State sure they're getting up going down to Austin trying to knock them off trying to play spoiler get all that um but yeah, you've got the same guys that you trotted on the field against Alabama and you almost lose the game to Iowa State. And really, Iowa State was the team that kind of, I mean, they dropped the ball at the end to put them in posi prime position to win that game. And um, I kind of expect the same against Oklahoma State. Now, I'm 
saying all my predictions based on the assumption that Spencer Sanders is going to play and be 100%. But if he's not, that version of Oklahoma State that doesn't look as good, I still think it's a close game. I don't I don't see Texas coming out and just, you know, completely blowing us out of the, out of the water because uh, it's homecoming and uh, you know, these guys are they're going to be fired up to play. So, and it's, it's against Texas. You got the, like I said, the NFL guys out there, they've got something to prove. And um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things you see it in the NFL, any given Sunday, kind of the same thing here, just any given Saturday. What I found interesting when I was reading sort of the pregame notes earlier is that Texas is actually nine and three in games played in Stillwater, which really surprised me. However, OSU has won the last six games following a loss. So a win on Saturday would make it seven in a row. But I mean, my my concern going into this game is, you know, Quinn Ewers is heating up. He has nine touchdowns and 820 yards, and he's only played in three full games this season. Mm-hmm. Seven of those touchdowns have come in the last two games. And then you have Bijan Robinson. We struggled stopping the run last week. He has a 780 yards, 10 touchdowns this season. Like our defensive line, I think they're one of the oldest and most experienced position group defensive line groups in the nation. And they fell a little flat last week. I think they only had one sack. If I read the box score, if I am remembering that correctly. And I remember even the text was like five sacks for the D line. I think that was Eve that said that maybe it was you. I'm sorry if it was you, but no, I think it was Eve. I think, yeah, he was predicting that magical number. We want to see, we want to see our, defensive line get in the backfield be aggressive and bring down guys like max duggan and quinn was like you know you want to you want to see that to be successful but um but yeah go ahead yeah no i mean i i guess like what is your x factor because on, on receiving side of the ball they have xavier worthy who has six touchdowns on the season and he's capable of making really big plays and it makes you question are you going are they going to target our secondary so in your opinion who were the X factors in this game for both teams? Yeah, um, you know, for for Texas, um, probably, yeah, that quarterback. It's, it's really interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic. I think that I'm a firm believer as far as what Gundy preaches. You want to see your quarterbacks, especially. It's a very difficult position to play. 15 games minimum before they kind of start getting the ball rolling. And we're seeing the shift in that maybe. Maybe it's a few games less whenever you've got some of these elite level quarterbacks that come in and you're seeing them have a success almost immediately. And the X factor I think is going to be the defensive schemes from Derek Mason. How, how are we going to throw this guy off enough where we can disguise our blitzes, where we can disguise our coverages to get him on his heels a little bit before he's able to get into a rhythm. And then you got to rely on your guys that have been there and done that before who have beaten Texas, Brock Martin, um, Jason Taylor, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe trace forward. He'll make a couple of plays and make you say, wow, you know, you've got the guys to make the plays and you just pray for the best. that They'll step up and do that. And um, as far as our offense is concerned, I, I guess I had to be kind of consistent, right. With my, Everything I just said about Spencer Sanders, um, if he is healthy and he plays well, he is the X factor. Um, And then you got, you know, 
usually a receiver or a running back. They can, we just have guys all over the field that can be that guy. And so it's just a matter of, you know, who wants to show up that day? Who wants to, who wants to impress the fans in the stands, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think we need a receiver to step up and have an actual receiver be the leading receiver, not, not a running back. And I, I think that, you know, Gundy was kind of saying, not that he doesn't think that Don Richardson can handle a big load, but like we need other people to step up. So I'm curious to see if Ollie Gordon or maybe some of the other running backs step up and take a little bit of the load off of Dom this week, but I'm, I'm feeling really good. We'll get to picks in just a second, but it is a big week. They're bouncing back after a tough loss. I'm feeling good. That home crowd homecoming weekend. So excited. It's my first homecoming here at All Oklahoma right, state. So I'm so excited, but what is your favorite homecoming tradition? I'd have to say oh, it's pretty tough. Wow. There are so many good ones. My favorite, I guess, would have to just be the orange fountain. I just love the, that that library fountain. Whenever it's orange, it just looks so cool. I don't know. There's just something about it. So, um, But yeah, you've got to give props to all the, the Greek houses out there for putting together some nice house decks and uh, making it America's greatest homecoming um but yeah, Waka's coming first... this year walk a flock of walk is coming we've got yeah homecoming and hoops uh it's always fun to rally around yeah. boynton and the boys um but yeah i just something about that orange fountain i don't know so unique did you watch me kick off fountain dying on sunday i did <laughs> did you yeah yeah you got me yes. fired up i was yeah. like you know it's lost to tcu really stings but uh this makes it a little bit better. It was kind of nice having everybody there and just being really excited. And it's, you know, when I was growing up, my mom would have the 24 hour rule. Like you can be upset about something when I didn't get in to my fifth grade play in middle school. I was like, you can be upset, you can cry, whatever, but get over it after 24 hours and you have to move on. So that's sort of how I've approached things. So like, you can be mad about it, but you know, at six o'clock for fountain dying, it was about 24 hours after the TCU lost. So get over it on to Texas, you know, horns down, but I so. a good rule to live by. It's easier said than done, I think, sometimes, but it's a good yeah. one to live by. Yeah. Well, game picks for this week. Starting out, picks with Bix. He went with the Longhorns. Of course I he think, did. I think he likes the animals, you know. He did get it right last week, the horn frogs. You know, he he did that get that right. Let's all yeah. hope that he is wrong. And if he's right, two in a row, my dog is a genius. Uh Eve. Man. Takes is taking OSU 38 to 34. What about you? That's my guy. See, Eve, he's got it. <laughs> he knows what's up. And that's uh that's actually a pretty close game. I can definitely see something like that. Um, I think maybe not as high scoring while well, I say that, but it's it's right there, you know. I can definitely see it being like a, a 34, 31 type of game, or even like a, a th- I don't know, like um it could just be like a one to three point game in my mind, and it could just be a field goal. You know, we've got a clutch field goal kicker. Let's, let's, you know, let's go establish him as the legend that he is by kicking a last second field goal to win the game. Why not? Yeah. See, I disagree with you guys. I'm taking the pokes, won six straight after a loss. I have faith in Gundy. However, I feel like the energy in Boom Pickens Stadium on Saturday is going to be next level. I think they are going, I think they're all like 
heated after that loss. They're all like, we got to move forward. You know, a lot of their post game, it's like, it's just, it's not just a game, but like got to move forward, got to move on. Can't dwell on that 24 hour rule. And I think, I don't want to say it's gonna be like a blowout. It's not going to be a 49 to nothing Texas OU situation, but I think it could be like a 20 or a 42, 21 type situation. I think it's going to be a double digit win again. I think the pokes are going to come out swinging firing on all cylinders. I think the defensive line is going to get it together, get some sacks. Maybe this will be the five sack game. Get to your show them what's up. Shut down Bijan. Feeling good. I'll take it. I'm feeling good. I I would love to not have a stressful cardiac Cowboys kind of game. There's just something. Uh, I'll I'll go with that. You know, I hope we, if we're all right, if, except for Bixby, obviously, but if they win, we're all right. But I hope that I'm the most right. And that it's a a big lead, which, you know, like that it's, it's fun when you're winning big and you have, are making good plays. So, so to piggyback off, more predictions do you have a uniform prediction oh you don't have any throwbacks are we gonna have i know we're gonna have throwback helmets historically for homecoming we'll have at least a throwback helmet uh, would they do pistol pete to could they maybe we'll get the your hat your hat i've got the 88 brand yeah and the 88 jersey repping barry sanders here so that's they, exactly what they wore against texas in 2018 huh I could see it again, but I will say this. I kind of shared this also with somebody on Twitter before. Usually what they do for our practice pants, they're retired game pants. So whenever we were practicing back in 2011, we used the 2010 game pants. And then whenever they uh, moved on from the last template to this template, I think in 2016, they started, they used the 2015 game pants. Now they're using the 88 throwback pants that we had from back in 2018. So that tells me that those pants are retired and that we're not going to be seeing the full 88 throwbacks again, but I could be wrong. Uh, They could just, you know, bust out some new ones. Maybe they'll have an orange version of those instead. Or, um, well, I'll say what I, what I think is probably going to happen. I think we will probably see our, our standard orange, white uniform, maybe orange and orange for a special game. And if you remember, we had the Bucking Bronc helmet back in 2014. Uh, that was actually not a true throwback helmet. That was based on a throwback helmet. I think we might see the actual version of that this year. So it's the orange version. It's got the, I guess, the white Bronc rider. And uh, it look, even looked a little bit different. I'm going to try to lock that in as my pick for the uniform prediction this week. All right. You're the expert, not me. I'm going to double down and stick with my 88 osu the least polarizing uniforms in oklahoma state history everybody (laughs) loves those uniforms and i think a lot of people would be okay if we went back to those full time yeah so nobody would hate it if we saw throwback 88 uniforms well we will see what happens on saturday thank you all for listening to another episode of the believe in ok state podcast on behalf of justin i'm meg once again congratulations to our other host eve new dad baby girl born tonight at some point we think we hope uh so congrats to you and your wife eve we missed you hope to see you back next week thanks again for listening and go pokes go pokes without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.